Welcome to the GBC Big 3 Podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and back again after a week away is my partner in crime, the Jessica Baker. Welcome, Jessica Baker. Thank you. And aren't you stoked? You were so lost without I me. Was, I was. I, I was. listened to the podcast. You guys were a wreck. Oh, I just <laughs> didn't know what way was up, what way was down. Come on. There was no spiritual intellectual conversation. There was just, it was a, it was atrocious. Listen, you guys I, were just me- meandering around. I kept looking at your empty seat just being like, who am I? Like, who am I without my other half? Yeah. It was I was alone. Raider is poor company when it's just me and him. Well, no, I'm glad to be back, um, and I'm sure you are as well. Yes, I yeah. am. How have yeah. you been? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. What was I doing last week? I oh, was just working. Yes, just someone in labour. Just bringing, just bringing new life. life. Yeah. Into the world. Just casual, small things, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I, I do just feel like we were just having a conversation. Uh-huh. I, I know that many people at home are here for the story that has been mm. the Bakers and Huxley, little Huxley, your yeah, puppy. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we haven't heard from him for a we while. We haven't heard. I thought and I, I hit it too hard initially. <laughs> we'll give the viewers a break. We gave him a break. But but things have progressed. Mm. And I just feel like, I feel like this is the perfect space <laughs> for you to just... Share with the world how um, puppy life is treating you. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, to sum it up, to bookend it, it's a good time. Um, yeah, look, Huxley started, he was fine by himself and then lockdown ended. Mm. And we've just run rampant with events and and a dinners. social life. Yeah, yep. And he doesn't like it. Mm. Um, so he started annihilating the house. Oh, he's acting out due to separation anxiety. Yeah, classic yep. Yep. textbook. Yep. Some yep. would say. Yeah, and so we even, as you know, anxious first time parents that we are. <laughs> We had a camera that we were watching him on mm. and we were like, that needs to stop. We're just watching him sleep because he's such a good little boy. <laughs> and then came home one night to absolute chaos. Mm. Everything was destroyed. So we've turned the camera back on, <laughs> <laughs> which is a sad turning point in the parenting journey. But, uh, you know, we're dealing with it. Yep. We're just running yep. with You're it. You're just rolling. Yep. So we've like everything, everything's been put away and cleared and... But he just manages to find something every time. Mm. So that's a little update. He's very cute. He's sleeping through the night now, which is nice. Well, you take the wins, wins, don't you? Small wins. (laughs) Except for last night, he woke up a couple times. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, like, I love this story because I feel completely justified in the fact that I don't want a dog. And I get a lot of, I cop a lot of heat um, for not wanting a dog. And then I just refer people to the bakers and I feel like everyone understands now. Yeah, I mean, he sometimes gives good cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that and what's the most important yeah, thing? That's about all he provides right now. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. Mm. Um, next week they'll have to move. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, for those of you who missed it, Belinda Lakeland preached during our services this past weekend continuing in our series, Lives Changed by Jesus, looking at 10 stories from the New Testament of people's encounters with Jesus. Now, Belinda spoke on the bleeding woman healed by Jesus. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC sermon podcast. But unfortunately, Belinda couldn't join us for the big three today. So we've had to settle for our (laughs) senior pastor, Mark Rader. And Jess and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. But for now, Jess, I'm interested on your thoughts coming out of Belinda's Mm -hmm. message on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Always a banger. 
isn't she oh, just? So good. The moment she declared that women have periods before the congregation, I was like, I'm here for you, Belinda. Let's go. I was ready. Take us on a journey. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's part of the story, but I just loved oh, I just loved it. She Very named good. it. Yeah, she did. Mm. And, you know, we do. And that's fine. And they kind of suck. <laughs> and it's something you'll never know about. Real talk. I, I, no, no. I dare say and I will not. And this poor woman, I mean, I can't relate, but I can semi-imagine. And mm. ugh. She had some serious endometriosis mm. or something going on. Mm. I don't know what. what, what. <laughs> she needed a gynae instantly. But <laughs> Unfortunately, she had Jesus. did not have them back then. <laughs> and yeah. Jesus was better. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, but no, on a serious note, I loved how she connected the, sto- the story of the two daughters, that this was the first time Jesus had referred to someone as daughter. Yeah, and how that, powerful that yeah, was. Yeah, that he was looking after her and loving mm. her like Jairus was fighting for his daughter. And oh, beautiful. It was. It was a good time. Right on. Mm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the three big questions Smith through Slider this week. So what are our big three? Question one, for the woman, the crowd threatened to choke her faith. What are the things threatening to choke our faith today? <laughs> what isn't? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that question yeah. done. Don't even need Raider for it. Let's move on. Question two, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Are we to believe that the faith we bring is the factor that determines healing? I feel like that's controversial. Ooh, I'm ready for this. Yeah, I think it needs to be addressed. Mm. Let's get into it Let's later. Let's get into that and later. question three, how do we demonstrate the same humility that both the woman and Jairus show when they meet Jesus? Delightful. Boom. I'm here for it. All right. Well, there's only one thing missing, and that is the man himself, Mark Rader, welcome to the Big Three, Mark Rader. Thank you. I get, I get the full name, but without the title, I'm I'm here for that. Well, you know, I just you know, I like to keep it keep it fresh, keep, change it up, <laughs> change it up. Um, right. And you keep saying that whenever I use your full title, that it's somehow um, disrespectful, <laughs> and that I'm somehow mocking you, which I just I don't understand. It's, no, I don't see it. It's said with no. such a genuine heart every single mm, time. Okay. Maybe I've just misread it. You, like completely. I just, it's the Canadian in you. I don't know. quite get this. Just a little bit sensitive over here. He's got too many feelings. I don't know what's going on. Um, how are you going? I'm I'm doing all right. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm a little tired. I think that the general just a bit fatigue fatigued. of the year, you know, like mm. the background fatigue of just mm. dealing with all the stuff we've been dealing with, I think is getting closer and closer to the surface. Mm. So Fair enough. It's like, yeah, okay. I seem to run out of energy quicker. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, and we're it's done. rough that most people like at the end of the year are winding down, but you guys are ramping up for the big Christmas crescendo. Yeah, and like, and, well, and, and, most of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking and then leave. You drop off the face of the earth in <laughs> yeah, January, right. but for Christmas, yeah, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's I think the other thing within within a church, and I think this would be true for any business that mm. that had to restart, is that it kind of feels that while you're kind of wrapping things up, you're also just starting things. Yeah. And it feels like you're starting it for the first time again, almost. So there's all this energy that you normally expend in February yep. to kind of get everything off the ground. But we've we're sort of, it feels like we're kind of trying to do two things at once, you know, trying to pour our energy into stuff to get it going and then kind of going, but we're almost done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christmas. And, it's, and I think you know, lots of people experience that kind of, I think a lot of people are tired. Yeah. So uh, that's probably how I feel. And it will result in many people just kind of falling over the finish line <laughs> yeah, as I opposed so. to like prancing across it. <laughs> as long as we get there. Yeah. Like those like- videos of marathon runners, poor flosses, that bodies just disintegrate. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like wobbling yeah. across but the line. But they still make it over. <laughs> that's Mark Rader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm still, I'm, 
I'm, st- Listen, I'm still, I'm still trudging. I'm still you, trudging. If you need me to carry you, Rita, I will be there for you. <laughs> Matt, right. you would have died at the starting line. <laughs> I don't know why you think you're coming close to the end. No, no because we're talking a metaphorical race. Right. Absolutely, if this was a All real right. running race, like Matt Willis is gone. Like I looked at the starting line minutes. and I was like, no thanks. Yeah, and I would have just run just so I got around the corner so you thought I was still running. Yes. <laughs> then I would have stopped. It's all about perception. It's all about perception. Well, um, that was delightful. Let's get into the big three. (laughs) So this beautiful woman, poor thing, she's had a really rough life. She's been not hemorrhaging because, again, Belinda said, and I can attest as a midwife, she would have died within minutes, um, but bleeding for 12 years. And so she's she's really desperate to get to Jesus. It's kind of her last hope. Um, and so she's being physically pushed and shoved by the crowd who none of them want her there. Um, and I kind of think of it. I know she used a different example, but um, Bella Swan in uh, New Moon, as we all know, trying she's to get trying to, to Edward, Cullen. Edward Cullen. She's at the, you know, getting to the vulture. Yeah. Anyway, that was my image. This isn't what I envisioned the bleeding woman I'm to be. I'm so here for you, though. <laughs> Let me just support you. Mark didn't quite respond in the same way no. as you, but that's okay. That's fine. We've it's, given um, the audience a, yeah, an sorry. image. <laughs> I think Mark's probably needing to Google Twilight. Like, what is this you speak of? Bella Swan? It's the period just before darkness, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, exactly. Can we get to the All question? All right, yeah, so the question is, for the woman, the crowd threatened to choke her faith, but what are the things threatening to choke our faith today. Yeah, I think that this was one of my favorite parts. I think of Belinda's sermon. I think mm-hmm. that. I mean, there's a few things. I, you've already touched on it, um, Jess. I think her naming, like the, what this woman's issue was, mm. and, and relating it to you know a particularly heavy or sustained period. I think there was something really valuable about mm. having a woman be able to say that. I think mm. there was something was great about that. I think, uh, I, and I think your response is exactly what I would have expected. Like people come kind of going, "This is my story now," mm. in a very very real way. So I thought that that was great. But she drew attention to the fact that in Luke's account, which is the the passage that she was using, when it describes the crowd crushing Jesus, it's actually in the Greek, it's the word choking, mm. and. You know, we can understand why you would say that crowd crushed Jesus because we tend not to say that that crowds choke things, right? But no, because that's a crime. <clears throat> yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> but the underlying word is only used one other time in Luke's gospel, and that's actually just in the parable of the sower, yeah. which opens Luke chapter eight. And so, you know, not that you necessarily pay attention to one particular word, but I think there's something really quite significant, and mm. that's I think the the point that Belinda was making about that word, um, that we're meant to see this in a similar way. And so I just, like, I pulled up the the parable of the soils because of the way Jesus describes it. So he talks about the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked. And then he lists life's worries, riches, and pleasures, with the result is that they don't mature. Mm. All right. And then obviously uses the same word. And I think that there is a hint that we're meant to say, you know, there's, there's more, there are more things that can choke at our faith. Yeah. But I think it's not a bad place to start with the parable of the soils, you know, that life's worries, pleasures, riches, that kind of stuff can mm. choke out our faith. And, and more specifically, I think um, the, the things that choke our faith are those things that keep us from maturity. 
So I think, you know, in the case of Jairus and this unnamed woman, the pressures of the crowd or the expectations of, of how they should um, – how they should behave, right? So Jairus coming and falling out at his, on his knees before Jesus, given, given the dynamics between the religious leaders and Jesus, mm. that was quite a significant statement. Like yeah. he's basically saying, I don't care what the Pharisees or the Sadducees have to say about you. I don't care if they think you're demon-possessed. I don't care if they think you're a fraud. I don't care if they think you don't follow the law, which mm. is a big deal for a synagogue ruler yeah, to say. Yeah. Like he falls at Jesus's feet. So there was a pressure that could have choked out his faith there, right? Mm. And the woman in, in a different way, obviously, I mean, the crowd for her really kind of chokes <laughs> in a physical yeah, sense, yeah, kind yeah. of chokes Jesus off from her in lots mm. of ways. But her her fear that, you know, and Belinda kind of guessed at mm. what the fear may have been, mm. which I think was which I think are valid, right? Mm. Fear of Jesus kind of in the sense that I just kind of touched you with faith and got what I wanted, but didn't really ask. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you going to feel about that? Yeah. Um, Jairus, who's sitting there kind of going, like, we're on the clock here, folks. Mm. My daughter's dying. Mm. And, and not in a, like, theoretical way. Like, she is... Literally. Yeah. Uh, and then the crowd as well, of just kind of going, oh, it's her. Or even if they didn't know her, hearing the story, they would have then associated then with the fact that there would have been, she would have passed on some of that uncleanliness. Mm. Would have been some interesting theological questions afterwards about, so she's healed. So what does that so mean? So she's now clean. <laughs> so are, are you we still, still clean? Yeah. Or are you clean yeah. as well? So I think that th- those things would have threatened to choke out her faith as well. Mm. And in both cases, I mean, I think what makes it different from the parable is that they, what, what would have choked out for them was receiving what Jesus had to offer, right? Uh, rather than necessarily maturing. But I think mm. we can consider just about anything that keeps us from maturing in our faith, that keeps us from being fruitful. And, you know, the, the list in the parable of, you know, life's worries and anxieties and pleasure. I mean, mm. yeah, that sounds about right. You know, things that choke out our faith. I think we could probably add in our context, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'd want to say busyness, but certainly the distraction that mm. comes with busyness. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've talked before about the fact that I think that our society is – it could be quite it could be quite easily characterized as lazy, mm. not because we're not busy, but because mm. we're busy doing stuff that's not actually important. Mm. Like laziness was not just in terms of its classic definition as a deadly sin was not just about lounging around. It was about not doing the right things. Mm. It was about paying attention to stuff that didn't really matter. And so you're kind of lazy. You think about being lazy in your faith. Oh, but I'm really busy with everything else. But I'm not actually paying attention to what. I claim to be important. I don't know that four hours a day I spend on my phone that it tells me once a week yeah. keeps going up. That's like, oh, pretty important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty vital time. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently because you have to keep an eye on your dog. Yeah, <laughs> <so. that's right. laughs> Protecting your home <laughs> from someone we let into the yeah. house. Yeah, all right, all right. I get the irony. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think that that's I think that's part of our challenge, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it's not a matter of. I mean, I suppose you could just say, "Well, I'm just going to get rid of my phone." But the reality is that you know, there's often. Com- very important aspects of our life that Mm. takes place. But how do we actually find the space to be maturing, to becoming more mature? Mm -hmm. So I think those sorts of things, I think that, I don't know that I'd say it's pluralism per se, but one of the, one of the, 
uh, I guess the implications of social media and the internet is that we now have immediate access to yeah. different views mm-hmm. and, and, and not even just, I can find out about something. It's often kind of presented to us in our, in our newsfeed or in mm-hmm. our, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if I'm, it's not like, you know, the internet is the greatest library in the world. And whenever I want, I can go and get a book on something. It's like, they're throwing books at me kind of thing. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's the headlines that you see all the time. Yeah. And, and, but they're and not th- good books. Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. Do yeah. I want to read that? I we don't know. keep reading. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But so you end up with like this wide diversity of views, mm. which can often paralyze us. Yeah. Right. Because it's like I don't really know what to believe, or I don't really know what's you know quote unquote biblical. Because everyone tells me that everything that they say is biblical, and therefore, mm, yeah. And I can kind of see that. Yeah, you've got some Bible passages, and you've got some theology there, and so we we can end up kind of um, frozen by the, the the plurality just in relationship to Christian things, um, you know, and people start asking questions, you know, that all that stuff around, you know, I guess what's called the, you know, the deconstruction of faith yeah. and we can end up kind of going, actually, this is just too hard. So mm-hmm. I think that can end up being really positive for us, just like lots of things can be right. Uh, it can be positive for kind of br- bringing some robustness to our faith, but it can yeah. also choke us out and keep us from becoming mature. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, like, I think there's lots of things, you know, what, what keeps you from maturing? That's something that chokes out your faith. Mm. And I think that we need to be aware of. I think in the context of the story, you've got things like fear. You know, fear chokes out faith. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, there is a, you know, Jesus, you know, when Jairus gets the word, you know, that your daughter's died, um, Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Mm. So he contrasts two things. I'm not sure that we would normally contrast, Yeah, right? Mm. Fear and, well, we'd say, wouldn't we say courage yeah. or something, your faith and doubt, yeah. but it's no, don't be afraid, just believe. And so there is a real sense that that fear is what could choke him out. Mm. Because at that point, Jairus could have just said, oh, thank you so much for coming the 200 meters, 300 meters, 50 meters that you've traveled, but it's obviously too late. Yeah. Like I'm good, um, in a horrible kind of way. So you know, like he could have allowed his fear to choke out what little mm. faith he he still mm. had. And so, and I think the woman could have as well. She could have been fearful of even elbowing her way through the crowd. Yeah. Let alone, you know, what Jesus. You know, when Jesus stops, I just think, wow, for her to know what happened and to hear Jesus say, "Who touched me." And you just see her eyes kind of going really mm. wide, kind of going, oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. Like, there's I was no- so stealth. <laughs> there was no way that you could tell. You know, yeah, kind she of- didn't even caress his leg or something. <laughs> <laughs> just like sneak a hand up onto Jesus' butt. Like, yeah. none of that. <laughs> okay, that's a different thought. Wow. <laughs> that escalated. Like, who would know? That you touched- <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a pretty amazing moment. It is. Particularly because <laughs> she's just thinking about just touch the edge of his garment. Yeah. Mm. Like it's that whole. <laughs> just, sorry, we've all just. I've ruined it. Yeah. I've ruined it. Please, Mark, bring us back. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> you used the word garment, and that really. Uh, to, <laughs> let, let me bring it back because th- that was a powerful moment for in Belinda's message, uh, where she said that Jesus can tell the difference between um, the pushing of the crowd and mm. the touch of faith, yeah. like, and that's been something that's come up a number of times, that touch of faith. The and, sensitivity and his to his sensitivity yeah. to it um, is really profound in mm. that. I think one of the things that I've really loved what you've said there, Mark, 
um, is that whole, the, the paralyzing nature of our um, overwhelming um, access to ideas and information. Mm. I think that is huge for us because yep. um, you see that in the, and, and I guess that, that then ties into fear because we're, there are so many different ideas, so many different perspectives, so many different um, ways of approaching, you know, the life that we're called to um, through Jesus that um, I think it, it paralyzes so many people and creates a sense of fear that then we don't, we actually don't lean into any of it. Mm. Um, and yeah. as a result, like if you're not leaning in, if you're not digging deeper, if you're not asking those questions, having those robust debates, kind of doing like doing it in community, mm. um, then you're not going to get that maturity. And I think, I think that community is the perfect kind of anecdote, uh, not anecdote, antidote. Antidote. Uh, thank there you. you go. Um, nice anecdote. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, because like that's where we can, we lose that, that fear and mm. that sense of frozen, like I don't know what yep. to do. It's all so overwhelming. Yeah, and, and I think that one of the reasons it's so paralyzing is we also know, even if, even if we couldn't articulate it this way, we know that bad theology can choke out Mm. our faith too. Like we've had lots of conversations mm. over the last several months about, you know, that sense of having to work for, yeah, work for it. And, yeah. and if I'm not good enough, mm. whatever the case might be. And we know from our own experience that that's choked maturity in us because mm. it's kind of held us back. So we know that it's important to get that stuff right. Mm. And so I think that there is like it's not just a matter of kind of going, oh, it's just too hard. I'm yep. not going to deal with it. We have to, as you say, kind of be digging around a bit because mm. we know it's important. Yeah. However, and doing that in a community, I think, yeah. is really critical. Because if we really do it critical. by ourselves, that can be a scary. Oh kind of yeah. Hole oh to yeah. Go down by. I mean, by I think itself. it happens. You know, like I, I teach a day a week at at Moreland College, and I think that one of the one of the journeys that students in theological study often go on is is a bit of a destabilizing mm. because they, at least my experience was, you know, you think you kind of got a pretty good handle on stuff. You know, I went to church my whole life. I'm thinking about going into ministry. So like, yeah, I'm all right. And you've got all your nice, neat little theological furniture in your mm. little two bedroom shack. And then you kind of get to theological college and you realize it's actually a warehouse, <laughs> you know, and you've still got, you've got the furniture for your two bedroom shack and it looks awfully lonely, Yeah, you know, and you just, you just really kind of grab grappling with new ideas and mm. new concepts and other perspectives mm. and and on top of that just kind of getting a handle on all that you didn't really know yeah. that you thought you did anyways. And that can be really destabilizing. Mm. And if you don't have that community of faith to just kind of keep you grounded, kind of go, you know, just keep keep going, mm. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um uh, that can be really, really difficult for yeah. us, and, and and choke our faith out. So I think like those are the those are the sorts of things that I reckon would kind of fall into that category. Yeah, great, mm. awesome. Well, let's get into question two. So in the in the passage um, when Jesus is speaking to the woman after she's been healed, Jesus says, "Your faith has healed you." Um, and I guess this creates a bit of a tension for us. Are we to believe that the faith we bring is actually the factor that determines healing? I think like many theological questions, it's a little bit yes, it's a little bit no. 
I, see, I, like, I, it baffles me that there's even a little bit of yes. <laughs> well, because everything that yep. I've kind of thought, yep. or been told, yep. is that it's nothing that we do. Yep. It's everything that Jesus has done. Yep. Yep. And so, even the fact that there's a hint, mm. a whiff. Of a yes yeah. to that answer, I'm like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? You're talking about deconstructing phrase. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, am I ready for this? I've only got my my tiny furniture. Well, we'll, we'll do it in other, community. There are other Christians who definitely have a different school of thought to that. You know, you hear like, oh, your faith isn't strong enough or you just need to believe that a little bit harder or and then you'll be healed. Mm. And we all kind of cringe inside yeah. of that. Please explain yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think, part of, the, I think <laughs> part of the danger in it is to say it's either yes or yeah. no, right? Because mm. that's where we run into the problems, right? So if we say that, um, that our faith is the determining factor, then we run into all sorts of problems when prayers aren't answered, mm. right? Yeah. So someone that we pray for or that we have lots of people praying for mm. and like, does it matter if you've got one person or a hundred people? Mm. Like, like, is there a certain number of people that have to be praying before you get critical faith mass and then you can like, and then you can expect a healing and, and, and you kind of edge into two, I think two problems. One, it becomes a little bit magic-y, mm. right? Like, you know, magic is, I say the magic words and God must do something. Mm. Not a fan. Yeah. Right? Or we end up, making it all about us. Mm. There's sin in my life. I don't have enough faith, uh, whatever the case might be. Or, and that often leads because those, those are shallow answers for us. It ends up calling into question God Mm. and his character. So there's some significant problems there to say that it's no, that it's just, it has nothing to do with faith. Then is really undermined by many of the examples in the gospels in particular, but a few in the book of acts as well. Where, you know, like in, in the book of Acts, Paul sees a man, can't remember whether he was, par- <clears throat> whether he was paralyzed or whatever, what, what his circumstance was, but Paul saw that he had faith mm. and healed him. Um, Jesus is unable to do many miracles in Nazareth in Mark chapter six because of their lack of faith. Yeah. And Jesus, we're told, was amazed at their lack of faith. It's mm. kind of one of the few times Jesus is amazed. So he was just kind of like shaking his head going, I've never seen anything. This is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> you know, that whole idea. So like there's a link there mm. um, that there must be faith. And Jesus routinely talks about the faith, right? So even, even the paralyzed guy lowered through the roof, uh, Jesus sees the faith of the four guys who brought him and mm. says to the man, your sins are forgiven and, and whatnot. So there, is a, there does seem to be a connection with that, right? And, you know, James talks about the prayer of faith, yep. right? All of those sorts of things. And so we are left with the sense that faith does play a role mm. in it. And you can kind of understand why, right? If I don't believe that God heals, yeah. I mean, my prayer is going to be fairly inauthentic. Mm. Hey, Lord, if you're there and, you know, maybe if you're feeling like it, if you want to, no, I don't believe this stuff. Mm. Like that's, like there must be something that drives me to ask God, mm. right? Desperation, um, you know, coming to the end of my end of my rope, mm. right? Whatever the case might be, uh, just feeling that no, you know, I've read these stories and maybe this is mm. so. There, there's some faith even just in approaching God, yeah. but there's no guarantee, yeah, right. Um, and I think that that's where we we end up struggling. So I think Jesus does affirm that faith is important. It's perhaps not as critical as we sometimes think because sometimes Jesus heals and there's 
well, I mean, we don't get any kind of real indication that there was much faith, yeah, right? Or if there is, it's very, very minuscule. Like mm. one of my favorites is the fellow by the pool, and I think it's John, I want to say John chapter 6, but it's in John's gospel, where he comes to the guy who's been paralyzed for 37 years and mm. says, do you want to be made well? And the guy doesn't say yes or no. He just kind of goes, well, no one ever helps me in the pool when the water gets stirred and I've been here forever. And <laughs> Jesus is like, close enough. Right? You know, and, and kind of, you know, and, A little bit bitter, <laughs> but I'll take yeah, it. Like, and heals him. And you're like, the guy didn't even ask, he didn't even answer the question. <laughs> did he even know who Jesus was? Like, who's this I'm not sure that he did. Are you going to help me in the pool? Yeah. Because I want to swim. You know, so you just kind of go, okay, so it's not a matter of saying I have X amount of faith and therefore God must. Mm. But it is about saying that I need to have some faith that Jesus can heal, Mm. that Jesus has compassion for this circumstance, Mm. that Jesus has a plan. And then we have to grapple with the, I guess the outcomes of that, that sometimes Mm. the prayer is not answered. Mm. Sometimes we don't have the healing. Um, uh, And and in some cases the healing is, shall we say a temporary reprieve, you know, like Mm. even even think about Lazarus, you know, like he was raised from the dead. He died again. Yeah. Right. You know, like heavy, you know, (laughs) so not again, (laughs) two days later. (laughs) Well, we are told that the religious leaders thought they had to kill him too. So, Oh my gosh, he probably was. (laughs) He was murdered. (laughs) Maybe we can start a true crimes (laughs) podcast. What happened to Lazarus? (laughs) That's right. So I think that like, we do have to, we have to grapple with that. And I think any, and I think our theological answer is a little bit yes, a little bit no. Mm. Do you need to be able to deal with unanswered questions, like, mm. sorry, un, unanswered prayers yeah. mm. uh, or with suffering and mm. continued suffering? Any theology that can't handle that is, is, a, is a poor theology. Mm. Um, so any theology that ends up saying, well, there's, you're too sinful or you don't have enough faith, uh, is just, uh, that's not a good answer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think similarly, anything that says that, you know, not having faith or you don't need any faith at all. It's just, it's all God. You're like, well, yes, but Mm. you know, we do bring faith. uh, We do have some expression of faith. Yeah. So I I think that there is a little bit of both Mm. in that. uh, And the danger probably lies in, in, in affirming one or the other Mm. exclusively. Um, Yeah. I think for the reasons I've tried to outline. Mm. I think for myself and a lot of people, hopefully I'm not alone in this, <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind that God heals and, and Jesus healed and all that kind of stuff. But there's that little nagging voice in your head that's mm-hmm. constantly like, but there's a lot of unanswered prayers nowadays and Jesus isn't roaming the streets healing people. Yep. And yeah, so You can't just go up and touch his robe yeah. or his bottom. Is yeah. you. <laughs> that's why <laughs> I would grab. <laughs> I wouldn't harass I just don't know how I feel about this conversation, actually. <laughs> hey, you brought it back. I know. I feel bad about it. I apologize. <laughs> so it's tricky, like, yeah, getting rid of that little nagging voice. But also I think you're right. Our, our like, thoughts need to be on, okay, so what happens mm. either way, yes. how this plays yeah. out and where does my faith sit mm. with that? I think one of the I, I think one of the, the interesting things for me about Scripture is that there actually aren't very many miracles. Mm. Like, I think we read what? the <laughs> – Like every two <laughs> chapters. <laughs> What book are you reading? What are you reading? No, 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 no. Like, think about it. Let me get all pitchy here. I suppose the crowd is big and only one woman was healed that day, you know? Yeah, like Jesus, Jesus, I mean, the accounts of Jesus are filled with the miraculous. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, okay. But think about, say, the Old Testament. Abraham performs no miracles. Hmm. 
David performs no miracles. Um, Isaiah, Jeremiah. I mean, Isaiah has kind of one, right? When he talks about the sign and the, ste- the sun moving back on the steps. But there are very few. Most of them are, are centered around Elijah and Elisha. Mm. Right? They do a bunch of pretty funky stuff. <laughs> but outside of that, you just don't find a lot. So you got Moses who does some stuff mm. at the start of the people of Israel. You've got Elijah and Elisha in a critical time mm. in, in the history of the Northern kingdom of Israel. And then you've got Jesus. Even in the book of Acts, there are some miracles at the beginning, but they tend to kind of, they get less and less emphasis. Mm. So like we sometimes I think come away thinking that, you know, in the Bible miracles were a dime a dozen and like every prayer got answered. And, mm. you know, it's like, well, I don't know. I think people have always grappled with this. I think people mm. have always had to come before the Lord and say, this is the situation. It's horrible. It's awful. Please help. Mm. How many of those prayers got answered in ways that you kind of go, oh, wow, that was a miracle. Mm. I, I think we're called to to trust in the character of God. It's the, it's the stuff out of Job, right? Mm. Um, if you don't understand how the, the, um, the material universe works, how are you going to understand the moral universe? Mm. Just kind of, can you trust me? You know, it's kind of the, I think the heart of that book. And, and I think that's what we're called to. We're called to trust. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes there are those miraculous moments where it's like, Oh, this is a real, this is a moment where, where God's done something special. Mm. Um, as a way to, I think, strengthen our faith, to strengthen our trust, to remind us that he's active in the world. But that's true if he doesn't heal. And yeah. so that's where we end up really kind of struggling with that question. So. There you go. Well, let's go on to question three. Um, so in this story, we have two super desperate people. Jairus' daughter is really, really sick and this poor woman, um, she's having a rough time of it too. And they both they both fall at Jesus' feet in desperation. Um, how do we demonstrate the same humility that both the woman and Jairus show when they meet Jesus? Yeah, humility is such an important virtue, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, um, I don't have much of it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I do, it feels false. Yeah. Like it feels like okay, just comes Matt, out of you sarcasm. need to be humble. <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that good, but really. <laughs> okay, so uh, save us from ourselves, Mark. Please, so you need an answer to this I'm one. Glad you jumped on it too, and it wasn't just me being like, "I'm so arrogant." You were like, "Yeah, me as well." <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling the people what they already know. Like, <laughs> Nothing new. <guys. clears throat> yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the question, the question of, you know, like of humbling ourselves before Jesus or being humble before him. I, I think the, the, one of the key components in the story is that it's not just humility in front of Jesus. Mm. It's humility in front of Jesus and the crowd. Yeah. And I think that's a really important dynamic here um, because I think there's a humility that I think we would bring to, you know, um, you know, our, or that would be evident in our prayer, for instance, when we're alone yeah. reading the Bible and we're praying. I think there's a sense that we're like, God, you're really big. I'm really small. You're really powerful. I'm really weak. Mm. You're really holy. I'm really not. You know, all that kind of, I think we'd be able to kind of go, yep, that's evident in my, in my prayer. Mm. But I think the, the practice of humility before God and others Mm. 
is a really tricky space. So I'm reminded of, you know, when David danced in front of the Ark of the Covenant being brought into the city of Jerusalem and his, his, his first wife says to him, like, you've made a fool of yourself. And he's like, hey, mm. if you can't figure this out, you know, we got nothing more to say to each other. Um, and, uh, and Note the first wife comment. <laughs> yeah, well, well, she was. Um, it's a horrible story, actually. But um, uh, no, another day. Another day, another <laughs> podcast. You, you can look it up but if you like. But there was dancing. <laughs> there was dancing, right? Yeah, but, and so David was willing to kind of make a fool of himself in mm. front of the people because he was actually seeking to – I guess, be humble before the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's more to that story, obviously. And, and then I think, you know, with Jairus, it's the same. You know, I, I touched on it earlier, the whole idea that he would have, that what he was doing was making a public declaration about, I'm turning to Jesus, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that he has the power and the authority to do this, even though other religious leaders might go, oh, but he breaks the Sabbath and he, you know, he heals on the Sabbath and he allows his disciples to do like all of the stuff that mm. was already happening. That, that would have been, I'm not, I'm not even sure that humility is the right word for it. Right. But is that sense of kind of going, I'm going to focus on Jesus, not the, the crowd. Mm. And I think the same thing is true then of, of the woman. <laughs> I think when she comes to Jesus, I, I mean, I've, I love picturing it in my mind. Um, you know, she comes, she falls at Jesus's feet and it says that she tells him everything. And I can't imagine that Jesus stood imperiously over her with his arms crossed, listening mm. to the whole story that she then had to speak really loudly mm. so that everyone heard it. Because it's an embarrassing story. Mm. I, I, am, I picture Jesus kind of kneeling down with her like, and hearing yeah. the story. And yes, those closest would have heard, but like he listens to her story. Mm. Like I just, and I, I, there's no evidence that that did or didn't happen in the text, but I just, I can't imagine that Jesus would make her kind of shout out her story mm. of pain and suffering and poverty and isolation and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's something though about her coming in the midst of her fear that I think is valuable. But, but I think for us in terms of our humility, I think we do want to avoid that kind of worm theology of all, oh, like I'm nothing, I'm nobody. I'm like, yeah. I'm so sinful. I'm so like, I think we have to avoid that because you know, I mean, there's an element that that's true, but the reality is we're also sons and daughters of God. Mm. You know, as Belinda drew out, you know, the, the significance of Jesus saying to her daughter, yeah. you know, like, I will advocate for you. I will be Jairus mm. for you. You know, if he does this for his daughter, I will do the same for you. That's, uh, there's something beautiful about that. So we, we need to avoid that worm theology, but at the same time kind of recognize Hey, you know, and, yeah. and, and humility, I think is, an, is, seems to me to be a bit of a, um, th there's both a, a self-awareness component to it, mm. right? I'm just kind of going, you know what? I don't know everything, you know, and, and, and that happens as you learn more things, right? Like <laughs> the more you learn, the more you realize, oh, I have no yeah, idea what yeah. I'm talking about. But then there's also then a choice to be made in that space mm. of being able to acknowledge I don't know everything. Um, you know, so I've been, I, I think I've been quite fortunate with the colleagues that I've both ministered with and worked with at the college. You know, some of whom, you know, just really bright, learned, thoughtful, like just really good people. But nearly all of them, in my experience of them, has, have, have been humble. 
just basically when they say, listen, I've worked hard to kind of come to my position or to work out how I think about this, to, to, to grapple with the issues this is where I sit, man, that's just where I stand on yeah. it. And to be able to kind of allow other people to have voice and whatnot. Mm. So I think part of our expression of humility is allowing people to have voice. It's about allowing people to come to Jesus. You know, I think, you know, you've got Jesus, you've got Jairus, you've got this woman, you also have the crowd. Mm. Uh, and I think sometimes we can be the crowd. We can choke people's faith yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, because of we just make it really hard to get to Jesus. Mm. We make it really hard to acknowledge who he is we make, you know, or whatever the case might mm. be. So I, I think you know, this is to some degree, I think one of the more difficult questions that we've addressed today, mm. you know, how, do, how do we maintain that sense of humility? And I think it, a lot of it has to do again, you think about the story with a recognition of our need, you know, like if Jairus's daughter had had the flu would he have fallen down at Jesus' feet mm. to say, would you come and please heal my daughter? Or would he just kind of go, if the opportunity comes up, I might raise it with Jesus, mm. right? Like, okay, it's a flu. You know, mm. and in those days are probably more deadly than now. But, you know, mm. like it's a minor thing. But his desperation, like his recognition that this is it for me. Mm. And the woman likewise, you mm. know, the, the her desperation drove her to, you know, and – you know, the crowd that I picture is like an Easter show crowd. Oh, the Easter show. In, in the good old days, you know. What do you mean? I still go every year. It's, <laughs> well, it's a regular yeah, occurrence. Just the last two. I don't think we've had them, have no, we? No, I know. Um, last year we did. but That's true. Um, but <laughs> but even that idea of, you know, when you, you kind of get separated from your group mm-hmm. and oh, you've got to kind my of. my worst nightmare. Yeah, you've got to catch them. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so They're you can see. Trying to get to the psycho side show. Yeah. Someone else is trying to get to the animals. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a rough time. And you can, you know, you're, you're dodging between people and. And you're having to slow down behind mm. the pram and you kind of fast walk around some elderly couple who are kind of you know, oh, just love taking that it all in, <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of the, the picture, but that, that idea of her being driven mm. to Jesus. Mm. And then even, you know, when he stops, obviously, okay, he's going to keep the whole class back. So I need to, you know, I need, I need to own up here. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, I think that there's, (laughs) I think there's something in that about going, okay, there's, there's her need is what drove her to Jesus. Mm. And and so I think being aware of our need Mm. helps that because if we've got it all together, or if we Mm. think that other people think we've got it all together, that's going to hurt any chance of being humble in front of Jesus or in front of other people, Mm -hmm. because I've just got to keep this act up. And that also is what thing I think chokes out other people's faith because then they pick it up. Yep. Oh, I've got to be like that. I've got to be. I've got to have it all together. Mm. Um, so I think I think we have to be very careful about remembering our need without resorting to oh, I'm such a horrible person. Yeah. It's like oh, like probably, but let's not. You <laughs> You're know. not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, let's kind of yeah, let's uh, let's just not go there because that seems to be kind of almost letting ourselves off the hook a little mm. bit. Just to kind of go, I'm someone who's been forgiven. Mm. Right. So you do the math. Mm. I needed to be forgiven. So, you know. Yeah, that's so important. We keep coming back to that, just getting rid of this culture of our Sunday best at church. Mm. Like we're real people who have real struggles and, yes, we are forgiven. Mm. So, yeah, people don't walk into our church and go, oh, my gosh, these people have it all together. Mm. And, yeah, Yeah. so important. Yeah. Without Again, like it's a tricky one because you don't want to celebrate, you know, 
that we don't have it all together. Mm. <laughs> right? You know, like, <laughs> whoop, whoop, I'm a lost cause. <laughs> you know, like, because that doesn't help either. Yeah. No. You know, but I think, you know, to some degree, it's less about, you know, it's less about saying I'm, I'm a sinner and more about saying I'm forgiven. Mm. Because that, that tells you that I'm a sinner, mm. but I'm not focused on my sinfulness. We, we so, we're so good at making everything about us. <laughs> Even Jesus forgiving us becomes about us. Oh yes, I'm a desperate sinner. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. But the emphasis becomes me rather yeah. than saying, yo, hey, I am forgiven. That's who I am. And there's freedom in that. There's mm. life in that. There's, um, there's a hope and a future in that. And again, you can do the math then. I was, I'm, I'm forgiven, which means I needed to be forgiven. Yeah. Not getting away from that. And constantly so. Yeah, yeah and constantly <laughs> so. But we, we stand forgiven. Yeah. And then we're not beating ourselves up necessarily about, oh, I needed to be forgiven again this year. Well, of course, this, this week. You know, of course you did. But mm. that's, that's the kind of space we, we, we live in. So I think those are, and they, may be, they might be helpful for expressing humility. Right on. As they did. Mm. Well, thanks so much, Mark. Yeah, pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed it's having nice, in the big three. Nice to have the full posse back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's his way of saying, thank goodness Jess is back. I don't want to be left alone with Matt Willis I don't know. I said again. some pretty rogue things. I just love that I just keep you on your toes. <laughs> I look of panic on your face. Like, no one should have given me a microphone at this church, but here we are. Here we are. All right. Uh, thanks so much. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks, mate. So Jessica Baker, mm. my dear friend. Mm, Matthew Willis. <laughs> wants to have you in amongst all that. We covered a lot. Yeah, we did. And really different. Like I love that our questions this week kind of took us, each yeah. one took us in a different yeah, well direction. Well done, uh, congregation. The mm. questions were great. Um, oh, I just love this story so much and I think it shows so much of Jesus' character mm. and I really love Tambalinda. Like she's so good at just putting you in the scene and making you really feel the emotions of everyone mm. involved. Um, so, yeah, when Mark said, like, this is right, this is my story, like, I'm nothing like her, but mm. it just really makes you feel connected. Um, I love that discussion in question three because you're right, it's it's easy to show humility in front of God. Like, mm. obviously, we're not coming, unless we're the leader of a cult, we're not coming to him being like, I'm amazing, I'm practically <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but the humility in the crowd, like, that's really important mm. for us. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think um, that whole um, discussion around unanswered prayer and, and mm-hmm. what that looks like, it's come up for me a few times, just um, our life group was talking about it and um, we kind of touched on it last week in the big three. Mm-hmm. It came up in our um, discussion like after the service on Sunday. So I just feel like like it's something that keeps coming up for me. So I'm just I'm, – I'm keen to keep talking about it. How do we grapple with that tension of I have faith that God can do incredible things, but I also have enough trust yeah. in him when he doesn't do the things I want him to do? Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, that's probably a question that so many of us are asking mm. and it seems to keep coming up for me. So I'm gonna mm. I'm just gonna mull on that for a mm. for a quick mo. And relating it back to Job in like we've missed the point mm. if we think our life is to be really comfortable and that's the yeah. purpose of Jesus is to heal us and to make our life really smooth and it's just not that That's at all. It's just not the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, to put more of our focus on trust and, and mm. definitely, like, bring your prayers to God and, you know, ask for healing, all that kind of stuff, because he can do it and yes. he does do it for mm. sure, but focusing more on 
on other things. I will also never question Mark when he makes a comment about like what is and is not in scripture. So when he was like, there aren't that many miracles <laughs> and I questioned it. The second I did it, I was like, does this man teach at a theology college? Yes. Why Why are these words coming out of my mouth? I do not know. But also that blew my mind a little bit. Uh, because it did that blow my mind. Is Thank the, you. That is the vibe I get from the Bible yeah. is like miracle, miracle, miracle. <laughs> Healing, yeah. demon exorcism, like yeah. we're happy, we're walking on water, <laughs> things are going on, like you've yeah. got you got a loaf of bread, everyone gets a <laughs> loaf of bread, like. <laughs> but so you no. kind of want to see my face fall as he was like, "Well, no, Abraham didn't do anything. <laughs> this guy didn't do. He anything. was a lazy like, git, like didn't didn't do any miracles." <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, maybe it's not as magical yeah, put as in I my thought. Place. Put in my place, but that's okay. That's mm. why. That's why we bring Mark along. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'd just be you and me saying rogue things for an hour. So. <laughs> I mean, I'd be here for yeah, it. I know, like we'd listen. The church to it. wouldn't listen, <laughs> nor should they listen. No. Oh, we're doing it again. Well, uh, goodbye. Before we go on to another rogue conversation, thank you so much, my friend. Don't ever leave me again, and we'll catch you again next week. <laughs> If you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that you're there at one of our services this coming weekend and that you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. Just a reminder that our service times are Friday morning at 7am, Sunday morning at 9.30am and Sunday evening at 6pm. You can register to our on-site services at guymebaptist.org.au. We also have our live stream service at 9.30am at gbconline.org.au. If you've enjoyed the Big 3 podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's Big 3 and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.